Hello and welcome to the annual Video Game Logic Podcast Awards show. This year for the 2017 awards, I'm your presenter, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my co-award presenter, Caffeine Rage. On today's awards show, we are going to be going through the numerous awards that we have created. We spent quite a lot of time putting together a fun show for you guys, and hopefully you do think it is fun. How are you doing today, Rage? I'm doing fairly well, and uh, yeah, we actually put effort into it this year, <laughs> instead of just yeah. really showing up and you know, doing our thing. Yes, indeed. This show is going to be different quite a bit from last year. Last year was a big mess. We wound up with three guests on the show, and we had, how many award categories did we have to begin with? Uh, 15 or 16, I believe. Yes, so this time around, it's going to be just me and you, um, and we have... 26, 27 awards to, to award? Yeah, with only a handful actually surviving from last year, to be perfectly honest. A few uh, tweaks to some some that uh, have kind of mutated, uh, grown together, and uh, you know, grown a third arm. Probably should take them to the doctor for that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Just drop them in the Fallout universe. <laughs> yeah, we only kept a few. It was like three or four just straight out of last year, and then we messed with a couple of others, and then all the rest of these are new creations. So we've got some positive ones, some negative ones, some silly ones, some serious ones. So we really hope that you enjoy the show. We have so much stuff to go through. We've broken this episode down into a number of blocks. Um, I think that for our timestamps, I'm just going to do blocks because it's going to be difficult to go through and find each and every single award. Um, and then there's going to be some extra editing and post that Rage isn't going to know about. Uh-oh. But he found some special music for us to use, which you will have already heard one of those tracks. And I've got some special music to use. There's also going to be a couple of... Uh, I It's not exactly messages from our sponsor, but I've got a couple of things that I've already recorded to slot in. Just sort of like thank yous to listeners of the show and some of our bigger contributors throughout the year. So we hope that you guys enjoy those as they pop up. And uh, also, this episode is going to be releasing next next week, right? So yes. it'll be after Christmas, but before New Year. Yeah, this will be releasing on the 29th. Yes. Well, regardless, uh, have a happy New Year, listeners, and a Merry Christmas, or Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, or whatever holiday. Well, at least you're not just saying happy holidays, because, you know, that is absolutely terrible, and it's a war on Christmas. <laughs> yes, the war on Christmas. I mean, happy holidays is easy to say, but when do I ever do anything that's easy? Uh, Well, uh, you are kind of easy, so. <laughs> but um, but uh, without further ado, Rage, would you like to read our opening category for our All first right. block well, for an award? We are kicking it off on a high note with our most memorable gaming moment of the year, 2017. And why don't you go first? Right. So the most memorable moment in gaming for me was when I unpacked and hooked up my 144 hertz monitor. I was just blown away by how different games look at such a high refresh rate. I I talked about this last week or a couple of weeks ago on the show or three weeks ago, depending on releases or whatever. But just as I continue to play games at such a high frame rate, even doing things like watching TV, which I know is has always been a lower frame rate, but I've always been able to pick up on different frame rates and things, and having played games at such a high frame rate, I'm now watching TV going, this looks weird. It's too slow. 
<laughs> and I I did try playing a console game at 30 FPS, and it's it actually made me sick. So, I mean, 144 hertz is amazing. I can't wait to one day in a few years build a better rig and get uh, an even higher refresh rate monitor. I don't know quite how high my specific eyes can differentiate, but, you know, let's see if I can... Don't they make like 250 hertz monitors or something like that? Uh, I want one of those. I think so, but they're stupidly expensive. And, you know, to be able to even get a game running that fast, it's tough on modern hardware. Well, I said in a few years. Hopefully, I'll have more money and technology will be better. Well, you also have to realize that... Well, I don't mean to dig at consoles. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. They're kind of holding back (laughs) game development. Where everything has gone more shiny and high fidelity and to hell with frame rate. There's actually been, uh, I was reading an article just earlier today. Oh, I'm blanking on uh, the executive that was uh, talking about how consoles need to stop going such high fidelity and work on actually getting frame rate up. I'll have to go hunt that down for the docket for tomorrow. All right. But yeah, I mean, just 144 hertz gaming is the most memorable thing for me that's happened gaming wise in 2017. Yep. What about you? Uh, mine is, uh, well, a lot more mundane, I think, is actually completing a playthrough of RimWorld. Because RimWorld isn't an endless game. Oh, uh, that sounds okay. <laughs> well, it's clapping. It, uh, oh, I, I, it sounded more sarcastic. No, I was seriously clapping for you, because I, I mean, you've talked at length to me about how difficult RimWorld is. And- yeah, RimWorld is not an easy game. And even with mods, some of them uh, make the game harder, some of them make the game easier. So I always try to balance out, you know, my quality of life with, you know, things that are making things more difficult. Actually getting to the point where you could build the ship to get off-world took me, I think I was in the late 80s, early 90s. This was on my uh, YouTube channel of just, you know, completing the ship and getting off-world. It's a hell of a challenge. It requires a lot of research, requires a lot of uh, of just raw resources. And by the time you get to that point, things are getting a little insane whenever uh, things show up to fight you. So be able to survive that long is quite the thing. And that's not even uh, going into just how much room the ship takes, because it's not exactly a small ship. So it requires a massive uh, expansion to the base, which also stretches your resources even further. And all of that for the song over the credits was just worth it. Yeah, hitting that launch button and seeing the credits start to play uh, it was quite the experience. Nice. Well, I'm happy to hear that you beat it, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'm uh, setting up to go all over again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that makes you understand just a little bit why I like to play like Factorio so much, because you get that same sort of satisfaction when you build your rocket in Factorio. Yeah, the thing is... Uh... Rimworld, it's a lot more smaller individual, well, uh, self-contained puzzles, you know, uh, figuring out your uh, food situation, figuring out 
uh, you know, your defensive situations, uh, figuring out uh, all the weapons and everything, uh, figuring out how you're going to uh, uh, stave off certain uh, types of uh, attacks. It's not easier, or, and it's not tougher. It's just, you know, it's more Different. self-contained. So it's not, you know, something I built within the first 20 minutes of uh, uh, the save is now screwing me over because I didn't build it big enough. And I have to go strip uh, down all that and rebuild it. That, that, that's not as satisfying to me as figuring out the smaller, more immediate puzzles. Fair play. I, I do want to try Factorio again at some point when they've uh, more settled things, but uh, yeah, RimWorld for me for now. Fair play. I'll be there whenever you want, and I'll just, I mean, I'll help as much as you want and stay back the rest of the time. Just go do silly things. Speaking of silly things. <laughs> Indeed. So our second award category go, is for the biggest surprise of the year. And this can be anything gaming related, not just specifically like a game or a news article or whatever. So you went first with that one. Wait, no, you let me go first with that one. So you go first with this one. Yeah, I think it's pretty much whoever reads it goes second. Sounds good. So for me, it's just the explosion of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. The... Battle Royale genre has had this sort of migrating player base for quite a while, uh, going from survival game to survival game, but never really coalescing into one game for long enough for it to really build up. Matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, it was announced that The Calling would be <coughs> shutting down development, a, another smaller Battle Royale game, which was very popular for a short amount of time. So seeing the just the utter explosion that is player notes battlegrounds to the point where it's the most popular game on Steam but several times over partly fueled by just how popular it's gotten in China which is a surprise of itself has just been phenomenal I mean hell just the test servers uh, for PUBG is in the top 10 of games played on Steam the test server. I mean, that's that's something I would have never guessed. Yeah, I had I didn't know that. I didn't know the test server was in the top ten. Yeah, the test server was in the top ten. Granted, the test server is also testing out yeah you know, uh, the new features coming up, so it does make sense that a very popular game would have its test server up. But right now, as we're recording this, the test server is number four on Steam. Wow. With 180,000 players uh, today with 79,000 playing right now. And also, well, uh, PUBG's really, uh, its explosion has been fueled by China. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. They see a huge roller coaster throughout the day and their peak is not in sync with the rest of uh, the peak uh, time for other games because of the time zone differences. So maybe it's just the Chinese... Uh, uh, player base that's really surprised me more than anything else. Granted, that's still you know absolutely huge without that uh, boost. And the thing is that when I first heard of PUBG, it was uh, on uh, uh, the upcoming games on this podcast, and neither of us knew what the hell it was. Yeah. I mean, you remember that? 
Yeah, I think so. I had to go look it up. And I think I said at the time, oh, this looks interesting. I might check this out at some point. And then later on, it, it hit like this level. And I was like, okay, I don't think I'll ever play this now. <laughs> I don't know. PUBG, just going to throw a little tease out there for another category later. PUBG is going to come up again for a special category. So, mm-hmm. so what's yours? Right, so my biggest surprise of the year has to be the success of the Nintendo Switch. Um, when it was debuted last fall, I think, um, I was really looking forward to seeing it, but myself and a lot of people, um, a lot of other video game pundits and whatnot had reservations about it. The you know, was it going to be a copy of the Wii U? It seemed to have a little bit better marketing, but there were still lots of areas where that um, Nintendo's marketing didn't make sense. And, you know, was it going to do well in other markets besides Japan? How are they going to handle this? How is it going to perform in this whole mixed role? Do people want a console that can sit at home and then also go with them? And it's going to be directly competing with the 3DS and just so on and so on and so on about all these issues that people were were worried about but the nintendo switch has really come out swinging this year and there have been quite a few really good games that have released on it it's already outsold the uh the wii u in less than a year which you know that's not saying too terribly much but it's still you know their their console release this time is still doing better than it did last time and i think a lot of that comes down to the success of the first party titles that they continually release But regardless, I'm really happy to see the Switch doing well. Because even though Nintendo plays a very different role to Microsoft and Sony in the marketplace, it would have been a shame for them to have failed at this. uh, Because there was talk of them pulling out of the home console market for maybe forever if the Switch did poorly. And we don't need less competition in the console marketplace. We already have enough issues with them just going, oh, we just want to make things shiny. So, <laughs> Nintendo's innovation, like, Nintendo always Nintendos it up. And they always swing big. And either it's great, or it's a mess. And the Switch seems to be great. So I was really surprised and pleased to see how well the Nintendo Switch has done this year. And I can't wait to buy one. Maybe next year. I was hoping to buy one this year, but personal life circumstances have prevented that. Oh, But it'll be around for a while. So, shall we move on to our next category? Indeed. Well, it's the it's still an early access award. For those early access games who have not actually left early access in quite some time. Yeah, quite some time, as in ever. Uh, and the game that I picked for this category is Space Engineers. Space Engineers was... Uh, air quotes released into early access in I believe October twenty third, two thousand thirteen. That is correct. So it's been in early access for four years, and I mean it has undergone continual development during that time. I'll at least give them that compared to some other early access developers. <laughs> but come on, guys! At some point, you've just got to say that it's done, and then if you want to keep pushing content for it, that's fine. But just just say it's released already. Oh, 
Uh, is that all you have to say about that? I guess. I mean, I like Space Engineers. I've played it off and on over the years at this point. Um, and half the time they break it when they update it, and half the time they only just make it worse when they update it. Performance-wise, I mean. Uh, this game barely runs at 60 on my rig. Yeah. So, I mean, just barely. Yeah, when I tried it on a free weekend, it it was fine in space, but on my rig, uh, on the on the planetary surface, oh, it it was unplayable, or borderline yeah. playable. And with how they uh, patched it, yeah, I wasn't holding out hopes to play it for long, so I just uh, said to hell with it. Which is a shame because I'm interested in this uh, type of game. It's just they handled it rather poorly. Yeah, I played it two or three months ago, and it still had. They had actually improved the performance a little bit, but it still was not... I still had regular dips below 60 on planets. And, I mean, that's honestly the most fun thing to do is to start on a planet, get into space, and do stuff going back and forth. But planets are nigh unplayable. Okay, well, mine is actually a game I don't like, but the reason why I picked it was that there was news about it coming out next year, as in... A full release. Day Z, which released on December 16th, 2013. So, hey, uh, nice timing on that one, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, I thought Day Z had come out of early access already. No, it's still sitting in early access. It's supposed to see a full release next year. And Day Z uh, has a lot more of a rocky development history because uh, it's gone for long periods of time without any major updates. And for quite a while, literally the only thing I heard from DayZ was some of the extreme things that the lead uh, the developer was doing yeah, with his life, which involved nothing to actually develop the damn game. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, hell, the, uh, the Steam Store page still has this Warning, this game is Early Access Alpha. Please do not purchase it unless you want to actively support development of the game and are prepared to handle with serious issues and possibly interruptions of game. All caps, right at the top of the page, since 2013. You know, I never gave a shit about Daisy. I mean, it's not... not a, never once. It's not a genre that I really care about. Mostly because it seems like it's a game where people are uh, actively dicks to one another. Yeah, if it was more cooperative, like I guess if I played it with just friends on a private server or something, then maybe that would be that would be okay. But I don't want to play with random people who are just gonna dick me over every three seconds. Yeah, and that's the thing is that pretty much everything I've ever heard of is yeah, people are dicks to one another. But yeah, the fact that. They announced that they're planning to do full release next year. And I, and it's rocky development history to the point that I'm not even sure when the last patch was released because everything on the news, uh, news front of this on the Steam Store page is all various development updates, you know, uh, uh, status reports, but no patch notes that I can see. Yeah, it's got a lot of negative reviews, like recent negative reviews. People saying the game's never going to come out of early access. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. I'm, I should have looked this up before. I mean, it's been in 
here for four years on early access, you know, just right over four years. And I was looking for last, yeah, well, unfortunately, it looks like they've updated their records recently, so it doesn't give me a good idea of when they last updated. But yeah, it's been a rocky development that's been handled poorly. I mean, I could have picked a few other things, and maybe if this uh, category sticks around, we'll uh, have uh, you know, maybe something for next year. <laughs> because there's always those games that stick around in early access that never progress, sadly. Because some of them actually could be interesting. Granted, not this one, but still. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Well, our next category is one of my favorites once we workshop the title. Uh, and it is the Balderdash Award. And this award is for what you're fed up with from the previous year. Yeah, this Rage, is, what are you yeah, fed up with? Yeah, from this, this is last more year? abstract ideas and not more targeted. But we came into agreement for this one. That is right. I'll let you say it, though. Loot boxes. Fucking loot boxes. 2017 in video games is the year of the loot box. Yeah, unfortunately. It's just gotten absolutely ridiculous. Uh, particularly yeah. towards the end of the year as... Hell, it's infected single-player games. It's uh, been the progression system on several EA games. Green and Battlefront 2 got the you know, you know, the brunt of the focus on that, but you know, UFC... What was it? UFC 3? Uh, yeah, uh, Need for Speed. Yeah, both have the progression systems tied, uh, or their multiplayer progression systems. Uh, actually, no, Need for Speed is a single player. Single player, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, the single player on Need for Speed is tied to loot boxes, or just goes sitting around in the damn shop parking lot for, you know, 10 minutes, waiting for the uh, shops to cycle, which is always so much fun. Yeah, Need for Speed. Yeah, if that Need for Speed is zero. <laughs> yep, and then you also have Shadow of War, Call of Duty World War Two. Um uh what's the Blizzard Overwatch had big changes to its loot box system this year yeah. to make it more shitty. Yeah, it's just and been I'm a just a huge mess. To the point where the, the EA kicked the hornet's nest and it started to get a lot of government attention to loot boxes. And microtransactions in general, actually. Yeah. Yep, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, was it our last episode or two episodes ago where we sort of reviewed the whole thing and said that we'd be back when yeah. there was more information? Uh, to be honest, we've talked on um for about a month and a half or so. Well, pretty much... Uh, since just before Battlefront 2 came out. Yeah, loot boxes were in the title of the episode like three or four weeks in a row. Yeah, well, nobody was buying the key to unlock it. <laughs> Touche. And unfortunately, I'm sure we'll be back here again at some point in the near-ish future. Yeah, Talking about it some more. But hopefully 2018 we'll see some changes. Enough consumer backlash causes something to happen. Well, supposedly the sales numbers for Battlefront 2 is way down and below expectations. So we do have wow. that going for us, which is nice. I mean, hell, EA fucked up a Star Wars game. That takes a special amount of incompetence. Yeah. Star Wars 
also really dropped the value of EA's like stock too. They only had a few dollars overall or like a few dollars lost per stock, but then whenever you actually go look at their total hit for all of their, you know, whenever you apply that across the board, they lost like three and a half or four billion dollars because of Star Wars. In in stock. Well, the thing losses. is that at the time, uh, EA was still on a upward trend. They've seen a dip uh, for the last six months, but they've kind of stabilized. So we'll have to see how things go. I mean, they're on. Well, the, gee, December the fourth, they hit a uh, all time low for the last three months. I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, though, you have to try really hard to fuck up a Star Wars game. Yeah. I mean, granted, they are still up on the year, but they they lost a good six months of uh, progress on their stock yeah. price, which is quite impressive uh, whenever you think about it. Uh, their stock, uh, last time it was this low, was in July. What did they fuck up in July? I don't know. Or maybe it was just a you know, a cycle because that's how the market works is it does work in cycles and works in trends. So uh, it's uh, that's the thing is that if it continues to slip, then it's going to be a problem for them. But they are still up for the year. And that's, that's really where these companies... Uh, reside is in the here and now in their stock price not what will happen in the future because of their current actions yeah hmm. I was just looking to see if I could see what they released in June but that doesn't really matter right now this is the award show <laughs> and speaking of awards let's give out another one uh, to the best free to play game Indeed. So my best, or my nominee for best free-to-play game, my award goes to World of Warships, the free-to-play game that I've played more than any other free-to-play game this year, and possibly more than some other games I've played in general. <laughs> um, I love World of Warships. I like ship and naval games and naval combat, so it's got that going for it for me. I like that overall it's a slower-paced game than many other multiplayer games, shooters or otherwise. Um, there's, especially at the beginning, a nice little planning phase. Very rarely is combat super frantic. And, you know, I'm getting old. Becoming an old cynic. So, I like to take my time with things a bit. Hanging out with me um, too much. And as far as free-to-play ga- free, uh, free games go, I think World of Warships has got a really good monetization model. Um, and even though they have loot boxes in them, I feel like they use them appropriately because they're awarded to you via gameplay, uh, for experience rewards throughout the day. Um, and aside from having a couple of consumables that you can buy, uh, they just do a premium currency, which allows you to purchase special ships and, um, boost your XP and things like that. So I don't feel like it's it's an exploitative model. And most of the best gameplay centers around the sort of middle the mid to upper mid tier games like 5, 6, and 7 uh, where the most players are so you can 
go all the way up to 8, 9, and 10 and compete on the higher level, but the most fun gameplay happens between tiers 5 and 7. So you don't have to play for a kajillion hours to be able to actually enjoy the game. So I feel like it's a good all-round free-to-play game. And then also, I like ships. So World of Warships, yay! Oh, I, I can only imagine what you uh, think of your ship. Because I know you. <laughs> I like my ships. They're all very pretty. Okay, well for me, it is Warframe. A, well, this one is sort of a mixture of uh, just cooperative, but also solo gameplay, depending on your focus. And Warframe had an absolutely massive update this year. Putting in its first uh, open world uh, level, just an absolutely massive, uh, I think it's like three square uh, kilometers uh, of field to go run around and shoot things, uh, mining, fishing, and uh, causing all sorts of havoc. And it has constant events uh, to mix up the gameplay. And it's fast paced, but because it's not uh, competitive for the most part. I mean, there are PvP modes, but the focus is the PvE content. There's not as huge emphasis on balance. So, yes, there are things that are more powerful than others, but it doesn't matter as much because, you know, it's all shooting the computer. <laughs> and I've always found that there hasn't been a uh, uh, well, a particular gun or a particular Warframe that I felt was so underpowered that it was absolutely useless. There's a good balance to just about everything. Granted, some things don't fit my playstyle, but that's my playstyle and not them being underpowered. And that's a key difference. <laughs> and the model for it, because of its PvE aspect, a lot of it you're able to do is... or to get is through either trading or buying the premium currency, which is tradable. So if you want something that is premium currency only, but you don't want to shell out the bucks, well, maybe you have something that you could trade to another player for the premium currency and buy it yourself, which is is an interesting way to do it. And it's just seeing the premium currency itself being tradable is a rarity, to be perfectly honest. Oh, and no loot boxes. The closest thing you get is occasionally a, uh, well, the random uh, login reward. And that's the absolute closest thing you get to a loot box. Hooray, no loot boxes. <laughs> that sounded sarcastic. No. Are you sure? Yes. There, I mean, there's proper ways to implement loot boxes, but the most proper way to implement a loot box is to not have it. The only winning move is not to play. Correct, Amundo. Uh, but yeah, Warframe. Uh, well, there's always something to do. It, it is a grind. I will be perfectly honest. A lot of these free-to-play games are, in some respect. But just because there's so many weapons, there's so many uh, different Warframes, which are essentially your classes, and so many different goals that you could work towards, it gives you the freedom to really, you know, kind of. Build what you want. It's more of a sandbox, to be perfectly honest, with some loosely defined rules on uh, various gameplay uh, elements. And only time you really have to uh, 
uh, interact with people is for the extremely high-end stuff. Otherwise, you could just uh, go on your own. Yeah. Fuck interacting with people. Yeah, and get off my fucking lawn. Yeah. Alrighty. Is that uh, all you have to say before I pick up the next category? Alright. Our final award for our first block is uh, one of the favorite ones that I came up with. The (laughs) No School... The No School Like the Old School Award. This award is being given to a game whom it's most recent sequel or spiritual successor is worse than the previous iteration in the franchise. Yeah, and I'll go first. Even though I didn't play its follow-up this particular year, uh, it still deserves it. The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. I was torn on giving it between Oblivion and Morrowind because I really dislike Skyrim. And Oblivion, yes, it is different from Morrowind, but Morrowind is also a lot more jank, so it's kind of figuring out the happy balance between the two. And yeah, it's just been, uh, I've been so disappointed in Skyrim and just seeing it, for lack of a better term, hoard out. <laughs> uh, I mean, how many times have it been re-released at this point or been ported? I've lost count. Um, I, at this time, it would be easier to say what it's not been ported to. I mean, so far, it's not made it to my fridge. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, it's just absurd how many times they poured it and how much they've uh, really worked that title. Granted, I understand, you know, they are a business. They have to make their money and, you know, also get as many vectors for those paid mods as possible, which makes me very leery of the next Elder Scrolls game, to be perfectly honest. Because just how much are they going to strip down from Skyrim, which is already kind of bare bones, to push some of the paid mods? Uh, it's disappointing. Fingers crossed. Besides, uh, Oblivion has one of the best expansions out there, if not the best. It's kind of uh, torn between that and a couple of others for me. The Shivering Isles is just an amazing expansion. And a complete tone shift, to be perfectly honest, uh, from Oblivion, which is kind of sort of generic fantasy. But then the Shivering Isles is just this madcap, uh, absolutely absurd world. Yeah, I think the Shivering Isles is my favorite DLC that's ever, or expansion that's ever been released for an RPG ever. Well, uh, this is going to shock you, but I think uh, mine is actually one of the Borderlands DLCs. Wow. You won't touch Borderlands with a 10-foot pole. Just because I'm so burnt out on it, but I really loved uh, Tiny Tina's uh, uh, DLC on that. I hated Tiny Tina. She was so annoying. Yeah, I will give you that. She was uh, fucking annoying, but at least in that, it was still doed out in very small chunks. And plus, uh, the overall theme of the uh, expansion was very heartfelt once you got past you know uh, tiny tina's tiny tina's uh do you want me to give you the spoiler on that you can if you want it was her basically coming to grips with roland's death oh because the entire time uh, she's uh you know 
saving a spot for him, and uh, Roland is this uh, great uh, hero in the uh, in the game world. Uh, and finally, she uh, yeah breaks down, and, uh, says, "I know that he's dead." Good for you, Tina, Tiny Tina, facing your demons. <laughs> Still annoying as hell, but uh, yeah, that kind of catapulted it for me. Right. Okay. But yeah, uh, we got off track, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. What else is new? Mine, my award is going to the other, I think the most obvious one out there for this year. Star Wars Battlefront 2. Classic. So the, yeah, classic, I should say, is the winner. Uh, the modern Battlefront 2, <clears throat> it, it just, just ignoring the microtransactions for a minute, I know it's really hard, but just for one minute, let's just look at all the other stuff in the game. It still doesn't have as much stuff in it as the Battlefront 2 classic. It's got roughly the same amount of maps and roughly the same amount of hero units. It's got less classes overall, though. It's got less vehicles. It's got... It doesn't have the Galactic Conquest mode. It doesn't have the full-fledged space battles that Battlefront 2 Classic does, which has space combat, whether you're destroying fighters and capital ships, and also you could land inside the hangar bay of the like the main enemy capital ship and do damage to it inside. So, aside from graphics, and it has one other, it has one thing more than classic. I think it, I think it is more hero units. I think it's got a few more hero units actually. But in all other respects, it's either the same or worse than Battlefront Two, which came out in two thousand and five, and that just blows my mind. But, you know, that goes back to what we've talked about before, about how games nowadays, or in the last few years, have been all about, let's make it as shiny as possible, as pretty as possible, let's throw all other things out the window. And probably one of the reasons that Battlefront 2 is, even though they added a lot of stuff to it compared to the 2015 Battlefront, um, I'd say it was ham-fisted quite a bit by the microtransaction system, because they focus on making that the center of the game as opposed to spending more time adding the content that people requested because... I like the single-player campaign. Yeah, the single-player campaign. And, well, yeah. Well, but Battlefront 2 Classic had a single-player campaign. But it was better. The, the Battlefront 2 Classic campaign is better than the one in this Battlefront 2. It's not as shiny, but it's longer and tells a better story. Well, to be fair, you know, uh, uh, the Phantom Menace tells a better story. That's pretty hard to do. <laughs> uh, based on everything <clears throat> I've uh, heard, because I'll be very honest, I have zero interest in playing the new Battlefront 2. But from everything that I've heard, well, it ended in a cliffhanger to be resolved in DLC, which has come out, and everything I've heard about that has been rather lackluster. They keep cutting away from the action to go play a hero unit for a while, which honestly, from the sounds of things, is just trying to tease you to go, you know, spend that money on the loot boxes to try to get the hero units. <sighs> it's just, uh, it's a complete mess. How did yep. they fuck up Star Wars? They, I mean, Star Wars as it. a license should just be able to print money. Yep, they did a real good job messing it up. 
But yep, the Battlefront 2 Classic is a much better game. Oh, the the other thing that I couldn't think of a minute ago was that you can actually have larger multiplayer battles in Battlefront 2 Classic than you can in the new Battlefront 2. New Battlefront 2 is limited to 40 players for a multiplayer match. Uh, Battlefront 2 Classic is 64. And Battlefront 2 Classic also has bots. Battlefront 2 Modern does not. Yeah, this whole Battlefront 2, Battlefront 2 thing is confusing. Yeah. Real Battlefront 2 and shitty Battlefront 2. Yeah, I was about to say shitty Front 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that is my nominee for the No School Like the Old School Award. And with that, that brings us to the close of our first block of games. So enjoy a message from our sponsors, which is going to be me. I apologize for anything Jared's about to do. He did not clear this with me, which is probably <laughs> why he was able to do it. Teehee. Hello, everyone, and thank you very much for listening to the 2017 VGL Awards show. I hope you are enjoying the show so far. I'd like to just take this opportunity to thank everyone who has supported us on Patreon this year. While we've had uh, the number vary up and down, we still greatly value everyone's contributions. It's because of your contributions that we're able to host our site on podbean.com and also able to occasionally advertise and bring in new listeners. So I just, again want to thank you guys for supporting the show it it really means a lot to us and we would do the show regardless of whether or not you gave us money but the fact that you do lets us we feel produce it and to the best of our abilities and hopefully one day the show will grow even larger than we can imagine and part of that would be thanks to the patreon contributors so thank you guys very much once again for supporting the show All right, and welcome back to the VGL Awards 2017. I'm sorry for whatever Jared just subjected you to. (laughs) We are now starting our second block of awards, and I believe it's your turn to read the award, Rage. The drop it, uh, I'm sorry, it's the Off the Wall Game Award, (laughs) the strangest game that we played this last year. Indeed, and this award quite handedly goes to Doki Doki Literature Club for me. I mean, there was no deliberation on this one. I just was like, oh, Doki Doki. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, you can't really talk about it. (laughs) I can't really talk about it, yeah. Um, It's the the things that I can say, in case you missed it a couple episodes ago when I mentioned it on the show. um, It starts out as a dating sim, but relatively quickly, or visual novel dating sim, but relatively quickly turns into a different type of game. Um, and you should definitely heed the warnings when you start the game that say that it has some disturbing content and imagery in it. It's not fooling around, it really does. But, if you can get past all that stuff, it's a really excellent game that, well, does some weird stuff. And it's free, so just stop listening to me, not be able to tell you about it, and just go play it. Well, they should probably wait till the end of the podcast. I mean, they can always just pause it and come back later. Eh, maybe. Mine is uh, Dogo Lax. I'm not sure how to actually pronounce it. It's such a weird, I guess, adventure platformer would be the proper term. It's inspired by another world. So that should tell you right away that things get weird very quickly. And to be perfectly honest, after playing it for, you know, like 20 or 30 minutes, 
I had no idea what the hell was going on. It just seemed like going from one random scene to another. As a matter of fact, I went through most of what they showed uh, show in the Steam store. I <laughs> have various uh, screenshots. Those are all within the first 30 minutes of gameplay. Completely different areas. Yeah, and it was just I remember this. strange. Yeah, I remember you talking about this earlier this year and looking at this stuff. It looks weird. Yeah, it is very weird. And I'll be perfectly honest. It seemed like they had a ton of different ideas of what they wanted to do for game scenes. And just like, okay, let's put them all in and have some sort of loose connection going between them. And that's it. Hey, if it works, though. I mean, it is highly rated, so... Granted, it's not a lot of ratings, so... If you get get past the weirdness, uh, sure, but mm, it just wasn't for me. Well, alrighty then. Uh, Is that all you have to say about it? Yep. Alright, our next award is the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award. And this award is given to a game who or what we played for a short amount of time and went, this is garbage, and then stopped playing it. Yeah, I had, uh, well, it's, for me, it was a toss-up between the award winner and the award winner for a later category. Well, I could say what it is, my least favorite game, because both of them uh, could have been a contender for this. So I went with uh, Harvest Life for the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award. It is a... I believe it's early access. I actually didn't uh, check to see what it was. Uh, essentially, uh, well, Harvest Moonlike, or yeah, it was, uh, inspired by uh, Stardew Valley. You get a letter for, uh, that, uh, from your grandfather uh, to say uh, to come to the farm and to work for it. Uh, uh, yeah, work on it. Uh, he's retiring and going to the city because how if I know. And it is very, very, very rough. It's very uh, confusing on what it does. Because it says to go do things, but it doesn't tell you where or how to do them. It doesn't have a map for the farm. It doesn't uh, give you any direction indicators. Oh, and if you talk to your grandfather while you're halfway through the tutorial, it resets the fucking tutorial. Well, that's stupid. No, 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 no. As in, it resets the goals, but not your progress. So it tells you to go water the fields. So I've watered the fields. It's like, okay, how do I go feed the livestock? Because I don't see an indicator for where the hell the livestock is. Maybe, maybe I'll tell me where the livestock is. It reset the indicator to water the fields. The fields were watered. I couldn't do it again. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. And on top of that, there was a bunch of a uh, bad collision slash invisible walls. You, you know, well, have you ever ran into a game that uh, they uh, they didn't get the hit te- detection on things right, so you always kind of clipped on things and got stuck? Yeah. This did it all over the place. Every single weed in the fields, every single piece of fence in the fields had some sort of, like, jutting out small invisible wall that Yes, it could be fixed, but at the same time, in 20 minutes, it's... Yeah, I'm done. I'm finished. Right. Well, 
20 minutes is about how long I played my game that won the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award. And that game is Tech Wars Online 2. If it, our dear listeners will remember that this is the only game or the most negative I've ever been about a game ever. I fucking hated this game. Every bit of it was bullshit. I'm getting mad just thinking about it. And it's been four months, five months You've been hanging since out with I played me too it. Much. It's so bad. So bad. It runs like garbage. It's laggy as hell because it's a multiplayer game. It doesn't control well. The rules don't make sense. It's just the whole thing is bullshit. I played it for 15 or 20 minutes, and I was like, fuck it. I'm never playing this game again. This is another one, by the way, that I didn't have to think about at all. This was like, fuck Tech Wars Online 2. This game is garbage. So it was so bad, it won an award for being bad. And for you to be this just, angry about it, it really says something, because you're not the extreme one here. No. Typically, I can find a redeeming quality in anything, but this game has no redeeming qualities. Such anger. Damn that rap music. The best part about the game is turning it off. Wow. And then and then slitting my wrists. Should you Maybe that's it a first? little extreme. <laughs> yeah, I should probably do that first. But yeah, I have nothing else to say about that piece of garbage except it sucks and I'm never playing it again and I hope it dies. Well. So uh, so should we talk about something that you don't like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we should. Yeah, moving along to the least favorite game played in 2017. <laughs> right. So I actually had a hard time coming up with this because, you know, there are lots of You don't want to list uh, Tech Wars uh, online too? Well, I didn't want to list it twice. And also, to me, the spirit of this is it's a game that I played for a while and I, I wanted to like, I tried to like, but I just couldn't get into it. Um, and because of how Rockstar treats Grand Theft Auto V and GTA Online as basically two separate entities, I felt comfortable putting GTA Online as my least favorite game of 2017. Um, it's just not fun. I wanted to like it. I wanted to be able to play it with our friends that have this game and that do enjoy it, but they've just turned it so much into a grind fast and so much into trying to funnel you into purchasing their shark cards, which is, you know, the equivalent of their microtransactions, that it just takes so long to get anything. And you can get some basic stuff quickly, but if you want the cool stuff, you're going to be playing for hours and hours and hours, grinding repetitive, not fun content. And I just don't have time for that shit in my life. Even now, when I have more free time than I've had in a while, um, I just don't have the time to put into it. Plus, it doesn't run well. Their servers are slow as hell. It's it's boring. It's just not fun. And so I went I went with that just because to me it was like a game that I I, I played. I wanted to like. I really wanted to get into it, but I just couldn't. And I don't like it. And honestly, I haven't played GTA Five. Um the single player because of how I feel about GTA online. I just like every time I open it up and I see it, I'm like, nah, I don't think I want to be a part of this at all. And I've never beaten the single player of GTA five. I've gotten past the second heist in the, in the main story for those who have played it and know where I would be. So 
What uh, what's your least favorite game played in 2017? Uh, well, and did you have a different sort of criteria for it? Uh, well, for me, it was the other uh, option for drop it like a hot rock because this was also one that I just dropped very quickly because I absolutely hated it. It is a visual novel called Crystal City. This is uh, a more adult oriented, uh, trying to just uh, pass itself off on titillation. It's a Russian visual novel, which would be a red flag right away. And from what I could tell, it's also machine translated, giving some very jank uh, uh, wording to things, giving some wrong wording to things. You know, homophones are difficult for uh, machine translation. So it's tough to read. The art isn't that great. I mean, it's passable, but it's not good. And it just turned me off so quickly that, you know, it's just, no. And like I said, this was my other contender for Drop It Like a Hot Rock, and I could have swapped either of these out and, yeah, still had my award uh, be pretty valid, to be perfectly honest, because I really dislike both of these. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I just interpreted the yeah. least favorite a little bit differently. Well, but, I mean, we just decided on what the categories were. We didn't specify. The only rule we specified was that uh, one of us can't nominate the same game more than twice. Yeah, which I did hit uh, twice on a couple of mine, so. But, oh well. I mean, I didn't yeah. break that, so. At least as yeah. far as that counted. Indeed. Okay. Uh... My turn to read. The Our next award is the Time Sync Award, and this goes to a game that you've played 50 hours or more in the last year. I originally had this set at 100 hours, but you bumped it down to 50. Yeah, well, also to kind of open up things, but uh, for me, it's RimWorld once again, uh, which could have easily surpassed the 100, even though it doesn't show that much time uh, on my uh, Steam account, that's because a lot of it's undocumented on a copy of uh, my RimWorld uh, safe file, or on, on my uh, uh, game that's uh, not counted in Steam because it's outside of the Steam architecture. Uh, right. But RimWorld, it's one of those games that, as I was testing various mods and things uh, for my uh, series on it, uh, there was several times that I started playing, and next thing I know, I look up and several hours have passed. Yeah. And this was, uh, yeah, on top of the countless hours that I already put into it, uh, recording it. So, yeah, I think it definitely counts for me. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Mine is Factorio. I actually had several games that I've played more than 50 hours, and I had several games that I've played more than 100 hours, too. Um, but I, I was going through and looking and at the top of that list is Factorio. So, um, the main reason it's there is it's just the one that I played the most. It's going to be, I think my second or maybe my third game. I think I'm over, yeah, I'm over 500 hours in KSB. So it's going to be my third game to hit 500 hours on Steam at this rate. Um, but I mean, I've talked at length about Factorio. The thing that, that just keeps me coming back between the fact that they keep updating and adding things to it. Uh, Factorio was, was also, honestly, I considered it for the, uh, though this is still an early access award because it's been an early <laughs> access for two or three years. But they do keep adding lots of new content to it and 
tweaking stuff, and every time something gets tweaked and you move to the new release of the game, it's like, oh, does this change how I'm going to build my factory complex? And for me, it would um, be no, because it would be uh, built poorly anyway. Well, you know, that's part of the fun, is you build shitty for a while, and then you figure out how to build stuff better and better and better. But they've changed up, in the most recent couple of updates, they changed how nuclear power works to make it even more powerful and efficient and useful in the early game. So, I played through an entire game without using solar power at all. Except, well, as you, without not at all, without using solar power to power any of my main base. I would just use solar power to go and stick out um, radar dishes on the perimeter um, without having to run an entire set of power lines to it. That way I could expand my map and monitor for when the aliens would were be coming. But, uh, yeah, just every time I finish a game of Factorio, like, you can keep playing after you launch your rocket. Um, there's certain sciences you can only unlock with the science packs that you get from launching rockets into space. But every time I launch a rocket, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start over and I want to do this different this time or try this way because it's got several different ways that you can play through. I mean, the, you have to go through the tech tree the same, but how you manage your base can be different in quite a few ways. So... I always will start a new game and be like, all right, I'm going to try it this way this time and see how it goes. And I'm a bot man. Kyle is a a main bus man. And ne'er the twain shall meet, it seems. I know some but of these words. It's uh, it's it's fun, and it keeps me coming back. And uh, I'm, I've am i recently finished uh, a playthrough, and I'm taking a little break, and then I'm going to start again and see what I can do differently. Uh, okay, so, so the next award and the last one for the block, yes, we've gotten through this one very quickly. <laughs> Indeed. Is the Rittering Time Award for the best mobile game that we played. Right. And so we came up with this title, or I did, I think this one was Yeah, good. I think that one was true. Um, because you've said because you've said that you will like play mobile games like your phone while you let while you let videos render, so I thought that would be a cute callback for how to do it but uh, i've never talked about this game on the show it's the mobile game that i've been playing the longest um this year i probably started playing it back in oh february or march and i get my phone out and play with it and still continue to play with it it's called colonizer um it is a mobile game where that you play against the computer and there's some parameters you can set for like the size of your galaxy and whatnot and you start with one planet and you just drag your finger out from your planet and you launch colony ships at other planets in the solar system and you win when you've conquered all of the planets in the solar system and different sized planets produce colony ships at a different rate and as you play you can unlock different types of ships so like the basic colony ship colonizes for one point and damages an enemy colony for one point uh, there's ships you can do that don't do any damage, so they're only good for colonizing neutral planets, but they do like two points of colonize, or have two points of colonization. There's ships you can get that go faster, but are less accurate, so they might not go perfectly straight. And then once you get far enough, you can unlock special modifiers, like there's this, I think it's called Galaxy Goo, that your ships go faster through the Galaxy Goo, and enemy ships go slower. You can get... <laughs> You can get taco defense platforms. Oh, well, can... I know what you use all the time because I'm looking at it on here. 
How will you use the gay ray? <laughs> yep, there's a gay ray. Well, why shouldn't it be happy? But there's just like a lot of fun and silly stuff. It's actually a pretty challenging game once you turn the AI up to higher difficulties. Or if you play on a really big galaxy. Just because even the stupid AI have so many planets that they can get to that it's hard to, to conquer them. But it takes five to ten minutes to play a round through. And there you can there's no microtransactions. You can either slowly unlock things as you go, or you can pay I think it's three bucks, two or three bucks, and it just unlocks everything. But I mean I've unlocked everything just by playing it, so Tis a tis a fun little mobile game. That's a good little time sink, and uh, like I said, I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never talked about this on the show. It's just been something that I play here and there whenever I'm in the mood. Yeah, which is the same for me. Mine is Picross Mon. It's a, a Picross game. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's think of essentially Sudoku, uh, a puzzle game uh, set out on a grid with uh, numbers along the side, and the idea is to reveal the hidden uh, picture uh, by filling uh, the block. So let's say you have a, a 10 by 10 uh, grid. Well, if on one row it says there's five blocks there, well, you need to figure out where those five blocks are real by using both that row and figuring out, okay, so there's five blocks on this row. The, uh, the row that goes vertically through it says that there's a, a possible block here and uh, essentially process of elimination filling in the grid and as you fill in the grid it uh, narrows down the field more and more to uh, figure out you know, how to uh, solve the puzzle and uh, Picross Mon is one of I would say two or three that I've been playing granted I can't play the largest ones on my phone because they're just too big I play up to about a 20 by 20 grid and which is about the max my phone could really handle. And it's just a you know, very simple uh, puzzle game. Uh, there are ads in the game, but they're only in between puzzles. And puzzles, depending on the size and the complexity of them, can take quite a while. But overall, it's not a bad little puzzler, but just never really a time to uh, you know, talk about it. It's been something I'll pick up, mess around with a puzzle for a while, and uh, put down after a rendering. This looks cute. I'm looking at it on the Google Play Store. Yeah, it, ha- uh, it has some rather abstract puzzles. There's a couple different modes. There's um, there's uh, a, a mode where it's all individual pictures where they're, uh, yeah, you'll uh, slowly figure out what is, oh, it's a moose. And I'm not uh, joking because that's actually been one of my recent puzzles. And then there's a more overarching uh, puzzle mode where you have chunks of a larger puzzle that you're slowly filling in. And it's uh, there's that moment of discovery of figuring out what the hell. It, oh, you know, kind of squint your eyes so you kind of blur it a little bit. And yeah, you know, no longer see the blocks, but see the picture itself. It looks cute. I like the art style. I, yeah, uh, been, I might check this out. I've been able to play on it for quite a while. 
I'm nearly done with uh, the, uh, well, the story, but, you know, it's just uh, a a series of kind of interconnection uh, puzzles uh, uh, on the 10 by 10 grid, and I'm slowly going up to the 15 by 15. And it's something that, at first, if you don't know how to solve a Picross puzzle, it's uh, rather tough. But once you figure out, you know, kind of the tricks of how to do it, you could uh, solve the smaller ones pretty quickly. And there's also the uh, different modes where you could have it where you have limited lives, so you could only get non-incorrect uh, guesses, which adds an element of suspense. You know, oh, well, I've screwed up a couple times. Uh, do I really want to risk it? Right. Sounds interesting. Looks interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to download that and check it out. Found a new game right here on the award show. <laughs> and what else we found is our second break. That is right. So it's time for another sponsored message from me. Hello again, everybody. It's another word from your favorite sponsor. That is me. I just want to take this opportunity to thank the contributors to our show, the good folks who send us in audio letters, text letters, questions for the question of the week segment that has become a thing to our surprise, but we enjoy it and we appreciate your contributions. Some of the biggest contributors we've had this year would obviously be Jim3535. You send in both a number of questions and a number of text letters and we greatly appreciate that we've also had some other big contributors throughout the year in kyle and chemists so just a shout out to you guys specifically but to anyone who's ever sent anything in in the past two years really but specifically this year we just want to thank you and we want to encourage you to continue to do so we love interacting with our audience and i promise that streams are coming back real soon sometime at the beginning of the new year so we'll build that interaction back up again And welcome back to Block 3 of the VGL Awards 2017. Here to kick us off on our next category is going to be me, because you did the last one. This category is one of yours, called the Niche Scratcher. And this is an award that goes to the game that just sort of hits all the right buttons of ours. Yeah, and for me, it's one that I actually played last year, but I picked up again during the summer. Uh, Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings. There's not a lot of sports games on uh, PC, really in general, is there? Uh, and let alone one that's actually enjoyable. <laughs> they always feel yep. kind of bargain basement, uh, yeah, kind of off-brand. But Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings is genuinely a good, if arcadey, baseball game. That kind of scratched that itch of wanting to play a baseball game, but not wanting to, you know, shell out for an console to be able to play one of the official MLB games. That they still make more than one MLB game, right? I have no idea. I know Madden's just uh, uh, the only football game in town now. But granted, I'm not a huge sports fan, but I do like uh, you know, the occasional sports game. So, you know, having an arcadey baseball game to be able to play, you know, is a good uh, niche to scratch for me. Looks like there's MLB and then RBI. Then there's MOUSC. Out of the park. 
What? Those seem to be recurrent franchises. Well, out of the park, that's a baseball sim. Oh. Well, I just went to Wikipedia and looked up list of baseball games. Or baseball video games. Yeah, and out of the park is on PC, but it's a simulation. It's a management sim. Okay. So, not quite the same thing. But I do have to say this is probably my favorite uh, award title, by the way. What? The Knee Scratcher. Knee Scratcher? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. So, what scratched your niche? Yeah. Uh, that would be Transport Fever. Um, I thought about this one for a little while because there's quite a few games that sort of fit my niche. Uh, it's got to be something that involves management and that is slow-paced and is more about planning and proper execution as opposed to anything else. And I've always liked trains, but after I had a kid, I really liked trains even more. They just became special, because my kid loves trains. So, Transport Fever, despite the fact that it came out last year, is still a game that I played over a hundred hours this year. And it really scratches that itch, that niche of being a management game that's all about... Well, mostly about trains. There's trucks and planes and boats and transport fever, but it's still mostly about the trains. Um, and they've continued to add stuff to the game, and it's very open to modders, so you can get lots of extra content for it. For for free, that is. No loot boxes or microtransaction involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really solid game with lots and lots of trains and things, and it just scratches that itch to manage and build and play with trains. So, um, moving along to our next category. The greatest disappointment of the year for anything gaming related. Yep, uh, and I picked a specific game for this yeah, category. Yeah, mine's more of an abstract idea. Yeah, I thought long and hard about all of the disappointing things that happened this year, particularly in Remember, gaming-related... Yeah, the latter. <laughs> yeah, particularly the latter half of the year. But really, for me, I have to give it to Destiny 2. Uh, I loved the first Destiny. I played over 100 hours of it. I think something like 150 hours of it on Xbox One several years ago. And, you know, when they said they were bringing Destiny 2 to PC, I was so happy because then I could play it on my PC and it was already a great handling game and if it played so well on console I couldn't wait to play it on PC with proper gaming hardware at a proper frame rate but then they released it and it was filled with microtransactions and just garbage just so much garbage Um, and it has continued throughout the year the remainder of the year to be a saga of bullshit because they've had several news controversies regarding uh, lying to players about their amount of XP that they receive. Most recently, um, their update blocked content to people who, or not their update, their first DLC or expansion blocked content from people who didn't have it because it changed the like the minimum level requirements for certain activities which you couldn't hit if you didn't have the new DLC. It's very MMO type stuff, um, which is shitty, but Destiny has always been like, no, 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 we're not an MMO. We wouldn't do that, but yet they're doing MMO stuff. 
Uh, well, so. uh, Gotaku uh, has an article uh, today. Uh, Destiny 2's lack of transparency uh, infuriates players yet again. <laughs> and so. the only reason why I know about it is because it popped up on our slash game. So, yeah, it's been a perpetual thing. Yeah. I'm just I'm just really disappointed because I love Bungie. Like, the Halo series is one of my favorite sci-fi franchises of all time. And they started that. And the, the original Destiny wasn't great. It wasn't, like, perfect. There were a lot of problems with it, for sure. But as just a game to play, it was a joy. So, you know, Destiny 2 has got a better story and a better single-player campaign and all the lores in the game. And it's on PC with higher frame rates and mouse and keyboard control. But their business model and just constantly obfuscating and lying to the players has just made me sad. So... Destiny 2, most biggest disappointment of the year for me. Yeah, and for me, it's just the fall AAA uh, gaming lineup in general, because it's been a lot of shit, and really everything has overshadowed anything positive. that I can't even really think of it off the top of my head. Anything great that came out during the fall. Uh, yeah, we could uh, say things like uh, pretty much all the Nintendo releases, but they've been so overshadowed by the uh, controversy that is Shadow of War, the controversy that is Destiny, or should I say the controversies, yeah, the plural there, from Destiny 2, uh, all the shit from EA. It's just been going on and on and on and on, and it's just greatly disappointed me. I'm not sad, uh, AAA gaming. I'm just horribly, horribly, horribly disappointed in you. And considering the low bar I set for you already, that is quite the accomplishment. Just a pic picturing you as a dad and AAA <laughs> is like a little kid. Now, son. And they've shit their pants again. <laughs> you're nine. You're too, you're, you're too old to be regularly shitting your pants. Everybody has accidents sometimes, son, but you have them all the time. Yeah, but see, his friends gave him a couple bucks to be able to do it. <laughs> well, that changes everything. Oh. He, he wanted right. to unlock the brown pants. Yeah, well, he got them, all right. <laughs> so, our next award category is one that another one that I'm quite pleased with. Because I'm the one who thought of it. And it's the Maybe I'm Old Award, which is given to the game that we, as old, ornery men, Get off my fucking least lawn. understand. Um, and this is another one where we chose the same game, but because I read it, you can read out the game. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I'll be damned if I can figure out why this is so popular. Not that it's popular or you know, people play it because. It is a battle royale game, and it does have that uh, you know, migratory player base. But just the amount that it's captured people, it's just, I don't get it. Yep. Same here. And this is not us saying that we think that the game is bad or anything like that. I personally don't think that the game is bad. Just bland. I just don't, I just don't understand it. It doesn't look fun to me. It doesn't look engaging to me. It doesn't look good to me. But apparently, you know, obviously to, what, 20-something million people or more, 
this is a game that they really enjoy. Yeah, but remember, it they constantly can uh, is, uh, yeah, fund a, a, an event, so they have to sell loot boxes. Yeah, it has loot boxes, and that sucks. It's a bad mark PUBG. Bad. But still, I mean, it's got a huge player base, and they all seem to love it. And, you know, it's top of the the watched games on Twitch. It's top of the most played list on Steam. Um, so it's obviously doing something right, but just maybe we're old and we just don't understand it. I know that in our audience, Ghost Shark has played it, and he says that it's fun. And I'm glad that you get it, Ghost Shark. It, explain it to us. Or me, at least. I mean, if I wanted to run 20 minutes to just get randomly shot and to do it all over again, I'll just load up, uh, yeah, plant side. <laughs> yeah. I'd just go for a run in the woods behind my house. Right, get out the deer costume? Some some of the rednecks back there would probably shoot me. Yeah, but to be fair, you know, it wouldn't be randomly because you would hear the banjos first. That's true. That's very true. So yeah, PUBG gotten a couple of awards on this award show. Yeah. <laughs> just hey, uh, they got awards in uh, real award shows, just not the uh, yeah the negative ones that we're giving them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, my uh, giving it to the biggest surprise of the year is you know, kind of a backhanded compliment. And those are the best kind of compliments to give. Yeah, especially when they're slapped upside the head. So, uh, how about the Video Game Logic Award? This is for a game playing a good example of, well, video game logic. <laughs> Indeed. This was this was uh, another one that I thought of. And, again, another one I'm very proud of. I mean, we're called Video Game Logic. Why not have an award for a game that has video game logic? So, my choice for this was Oblivion. Uh, I've been playing Oblivion quite a bit here recently. And God is Oblivion full of video game logic. Uh, asking you to, like, <clears throat> find a key to unlock a door, even though the door's, like, half broken down and you could just walk through it. Or uh, you're, you've successfully snuck inside of a house. There's nobody there. You steal something. You walk outside and a guard. Stop right there, <laughs> criminal scum. It's like, what are you doing? You didn't see me steal anything. Or, um... Waiting inside of a shop, just waiting until after all the shops are closed, and then going and stealing things. You know, why wouldn't the shopkeeper be like, hey, get the fuck out of my store, it's closing Well, if time. you want to uh, go by this line, you could always go with Skyrim, where you could put buckets on people's heads. That is true, but... See, I've been I've good for broken game mechanics like that. Uh, uh, should I go with mine? Go Mine is a recent game that I've been playing, and actually the most recent Sunday sampler as of uh, this recording. Uh, a JRPG slash visual novel called Omega Quintet. And in this world, magical girls are fighting this uh, demonic, mysterious presence that is slowly killing everyone, but it's also upbeat and happy. <laughs> uh, and this is the uh, sub-species uh, of magical girls where they're all singers because... Video game logic. Now, I mean, that's a, probably enough right there, but they are trying to explain the progression system of this game and, you know, why as you progress through the game, you get more powerful and uh, doing combat a certain way and having a more stylish combat, even though it's not the most efficient combat. And in matter of fact, in some cases, it's 
you're actually hampering yourself to make it look more stylish and you know, doing more damage to yourself because you get bonuses for like killing multiple monsters in a uh, you know, in the same turn because it's a turn-based uh, JRPG system. But in order to set that up, you have to you know, damage uh, them uh, down this uh, certain amount. But instead of you know, killing one off and then killing the next one off, you're still taking that extra damage. And they say that the reason to do they do it this way is because the more fans that these idols have, these uh, magical girls, uh, the more powerful they get. And the main character actually asks, uh, well, how does that work? Why does that work that way? And they say, we don't know. It just does. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Is this the game that you were telling me about? Yeah. The other okay, awesome. Yeah, I think you would actually like it. <laughs> I think I would too. Uh, but yeah, it just uh, it stuck out in my mind as a, a good example of video game logic. And then I saw the awards, like, well, I know what that one's going to be. <laughs> I don't even have to think about that one. This girl has a gun. Yeah, she has a sniper rifle, and she's also. A uh, uh, very timid and shy, and wants to stay at a distance. And she uses the uh, sniper rifle because she doesn't have to get up close and personal with the monsters. That makes sense. Does she also sing and dance? Then? Yes. Okay. There, there's not a lot of singing and dancing in this game, at least yet. But there is a fully edible dance uh, uh, modifier and uh, video player. So you can, uh, yeah, build your uh, perfect idol uh, concert. And no, I'm not joking about that. This sounds amazing. I'm so excited. Oh. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. Okay, so for our next category. Are, are you okay over there? Do, do you need a moment? <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I want to buy this right now or not. It's 40% off. But it's still twenty bucks, and it's going to be forty percent off till January. So it won't go any cheaper during the Steam sale. I don't think. I'll think about it. I'll probably end up buying this though. <laughs> I've been wanting to play a JRPG here. Lately. Uh, it has a surprisingly in-depth battle system. Uh, that's why the Sunday sampler was delayed. Was I wanted to spend some more time with it because there's you get damage bonuses based on how far away the monsters are and uh, various uh, elemental affinities of the different girls. And as you level up uh, their weapon proficiency, you get extra attacks with weapons. It's very in-depth. Far, uh, It's a far better combat system than this game deserves. And that sounds like a hell of a backhanded compliment, but I mean it like that. <laughs> nice. I just requested a key for it on Keymail, and I'll think <laughs> about it. And if I don't get a key, I'll probably buy it. I'll definitely buy it if I don't get a key. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next category then. Uh, our next award, I should say. And our next award is the biggest video game flop of 2017 that isn't Evolve. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, this... Uh, there's been a few of them, uh, actually, and... I thought about putting Lawbreakers on here at first because, you know, that's kind of the obvious one. But it's not as high profile as what For Honor was. For Honor had the marketing behind it. It had uh, the momentum. 
and it went out of the starting gate, tripped, fell flat on its face, and has recovered a little bit since uh, the uh, original development head has left, but it still hasn't really recovered enough to be able to say that isn't a flop. And I think the key problem here is the fact that there's no dedicated servers. It's all peer-to-peer, and this is a fucking fighting game where having strong connection to your opponent is a requirement. Can it work in uh, one-on-one fighting games? Well, yeah, but you still have a lot of problems in those. And having and expanding it to a full, well, the primary mode that they focused on was it was the three v three, wasn't it? Uh, with the 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 uh, the boba uh, pushing style, it's four v four v four. I couldn't yes. remember if it was three v three or four v four, but that's a lot of network traffic, especially when it's Ubisoft handling it. And Ubisoft isn't exactly um, well efficient with a lot of things. So having a crappy netcode is hardly surprising with a Ubisoft game. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, I'm, I like. Yeah, well, I was about to say, uh, yeah, I didn't really care for For Honor. Uh, I'm not a huge fighting game fan. I, I, I have like battle rights, so you know, there I can get into that sort of game. But it's just my uh, time with the beta. I was already hitting people that were using lag switches to teleport around and the way that they were handling uh, just lag in general where the client seemed to always tr- uh, trump anything that the other people said. So if a person lags and says, oh, well, I'm behind them now. Well, the, uh, the host, uh, assuming they aren't the host, is like, well, fine, you're behind them now. See what I care. And it made the launch just Nosed of. Granted, the Steam charts are the you know the 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 final word on the number of players because this is a you play title. But you know they've been uh, struggling to get back above a thousand players for quite a while now. They have spiked a couple times during major uh, updates, but they've all always settled back down to about a thousand enough to have a stable player base, but. I'm sure it's nowhere near what they expected. Yeah. I I considered putting For Honor as mine. Um, but, you know, I thought about it a little bit and chose something else. But I liked For Honor. The biggest problem that I had with For Honor was that it very quickly became uh, pay to win. Oh, yeah. There's because, also that as well. Because you could get, again, you could buy loot whatever they were, loot packs or boxes or whatever they were in that game. And your player skill mattered very little because the top tier gear gave so much of a boost in uh, to your power and your health and so, so on and so forth. In the mode that honestly was the most fun, which is that MOBA mode, like it had the 1v1, 2v2, 4v4 fights where that everyone's gear was just cosmetic, but... Honestly, the the most fun was the MOBA mode with the capturing and killing all of the mobs and, you know, all of that, the push-pull. But that was the mode where the gear actually affected the gameplay, and it very quickly destroyed the gameplay. That and also there were some reports of the DLC uh, classes just being horribly overpowered. 
there are also lots of bugs that they never fixed, glitches and things. Because there was someone, we had this on an, as a news topic earlier in the year, someone who won a tournament by using, a well, several people winning tournaments by using various glitches or bugs. Yeah, yeah, know, some, to, of the videos for, yeah some of the videos for those uh, did not uh, show the game all that well. No. You can imagine the, uh, the PR person in Ubisoft because I'm pretty sure this was uh, yeah, a Ubisoft ran tournament. Yeah, was expecting some, seeing some excellent fights, but instead they were using the same exploits that were being just abused over and over and over again. So you saw, you know, like two moves. Yeah. So, yep, I almost considered For Honor also for my biggest disappointment of the year. Um, just because it was another game I was greatly looking forward to. I mean, they marketed the game super well. The uh, the 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 pirate king that kept coming up on stage at events to talk about the game with his cane and yeah, that yeah, that was the uh, braided black beard. Yeah, that was the uh, lead developer, and it sounds like he uh, had some decent ideas, but had no idea how to implement them properly because he fucked up. Either that, or this could have been one of the cases where that the publisher, i.e., Ubisoft, came in and messed with the game, because there's been there have been reports from games that you know that they developers haven't been allowed to do what they wanted, and the developers' ideas were better, but the publisher said, "No, you you have to do this." Our, our focus groups say with, this. Yeah, uh, I, there was an episode of the Jimquisition from earlier this year where he had a few developers who had said that uh, what was the ah shit the game with adam jensen in it where that he's like a cyborg the one that came out this year yeah deus ex thank you the the most recent deus ex game um the publisher came in at the last like month of development and was like yeah you have to put in a, a a microtransaction system we have to have it you have to tweak these things and made him cut out some parts of the game for dlc and like they had everything ready to go but the publisher made him do it. Otherwise they were going to can the game or be in breach of contract or something like that. So, I mean, he, you know, I'm not saying that Ubisoft came in and ruined it because Ubisoft actually makes some pretty decent games that typically fall apart on the technical level, like bug wise or from having shoehorned in microtransaction systems. Yeah. Like this one. Yeah. Like this one. So who knows where it fell apart. But it fell apart, and it made me sad. But no, my game, for biggest video game flop that isn't Evolve, was uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Now, personally, I like Mass Effect Andromeda. But I also didn't play it until after they had fixed a lot of the big problems with the game, like people's faces sliding <laughs> off. And Some of the derp weird... walks. Yeah, the derp walks. Oh, there were and... so many gifts when that game came out. Yeah, I didn't play it until... May... June, and it released in March, and it was pretty well fixed by April. But still, I mean, Mass Effect Andromeda was a huge commercial flop, and it was a critical flop because it was, one, released too early, and two, the game ends on a cliffhanger, um, which obviously is to set it up for a sequel. Or DLC. Or DLC, but the game flopped so hard that that was canceled, and the cliffhanger is being resolved in a graphic novel. And the fact that and, they may have killed the Mass Effect franchise for a while. 
Yeah, this game performs so poorly that they are shelving Mass Effect for a little while to go retool and figure out what they want to do with it going forward. I still like my idea for the next, uh, the beginning of the next, next Mass Effect game. Uh, you have all the, you know, derpiest moments of Ryder, you know, uh, the derp walks and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, you hear a loud gasp and uh, the screen cuts away to a character waking up. And it was just all a bad dream. Yeah. That would be one way to write it off for sure. But yeah, it's, I mean, it was such a huge flop that it's going to cause, you know, a ripple effect into the series and potential future games, which is really sad because Mass Effect series is my number one favorite series of games of all time, just because of the stories that they tell. And I was, have been quite pleased with the Andromeda story and I liked where that they were taking it, but apparently they're, or obviously they're not going to take it there anymore. Yeah. Well, so. now we know we why they were shipping certain people off to Andromeda. They were a little too derpy. <laughs> but it makes you wonder, I, why would they want them to be able to preserve different races? Yeah, the derpiest of the derps? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I don't know what they would do with Mass Effect going forward, because the problem with doing prequel stuff everyone is always going to know where that's going to go. And the problem with doing anything in the Milky Way galaxy post Mass Effect 3 is they're going to have to pick a canon ending and say that that's what happened, and that will piss off two-thirds of their audience. At least. So... Uh, they could always I mean, go could, Elder Scrolls and say, all the ones it, uh, happened. They could do that. Uh, that's actually they what could. happened in the Elder Scrolls series, is that was it the first Elder Scrolls game or the second? Uh, there was a, a several different endings in the game. And their solution for the next one basically say that reality was shattered and all of them were happening simultaneously. I can handle that. Probably the canon ending they would go for for Mass Effect is that all of the Reapers just got blown up. That one makes the most canon sense anyways. But... I mean, you could do so much in that universe. You don't even have to do anything crazy. You could just tell stories in that galaxy with the political climate and things that exist. Because they did such a good job, Bioware did, of building a living, breathing world to be a part of. So if you've played the other games, you have a sense for what the the world is like, the, the galaxy. Just, you know, do a space opera and drop something in there somewhere. Well, what do you think about a more localized story where you're not uh, galaxy hopping? So uh, you could uh, be more isolated in the story and just say it's happening during this point of the Mass Effect main series and have it just be a sad story. That would be great, too. I mean, there's plenty of huge areas that go underutilized because it is a galaxy hopping story. I mean, you could use the Citadel as the main area for a story and just use different areas of it or even just tie to like a single solar system or a couple solar systems yeah or even a single planet you know there's some pretty big planets that have multiple places and things on them that get referenced that you never go to so yeah you could do a bunch of stuff yeah but uh too busy making dirt faces Indeed. Or uh, I should say placeholder phases uh, that you know, aren't supposed to be in the final product, but uh, they spent too much time chasing the procedural generation uh, 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 
line. It, Mass Effect Andromeda uh, development, I think it's going to be one of those stories that uh, is we're going to hear for a very long time. Supposedly, they spent a long time working on procedural generation, trying to make a truly random galaxy where the story still makes sense, but they just were able, never able to get it done or never able to get it working right. So Mass Effect Andromeda, as we saw it, was just over a year and a half of development time, which is nowhere near enough time for a game as massive as a Mass Effect game. Indeed. It didn't have enough mass. Yeah, right, we saw the effect. But um, so moving along to uh, other things that we uh, didn't really care for. Well, I guess for me in this case, (laughs) Uh, other things we didn't really care for. Our least favorite game club game. Our monthly game club uh, is where we both uh, play uh, the same game and uh, see what we think about them and. This is the one that we like the least in that uh, well series of 12, because we do include the December Game Club in this, even though we haven't talked about it just yet. Yeah, so I was real close to picking yours, the one that you picked. Mm-hmm. Real close, because I didn't like it either. But I didn't like it because I didn't think it was very good. Mine that I chose was Rebel Galaxy, and I didn't like Rebel Galaxy because it gave me essentially... Video game blue balls. And I'm still mad at it for that. Damn. Because whenever I opened that game for the first time and the soundtrack started playing and the visuals were on and the explosions and I was, I laughed, I giggled, I was so ready. And then the soundtrack changes and you get this very Firefly vibe from it, you know, space cowboy, space western. And I was very excited for that too. And I was really looking forward to the mix of the, you know, crazy pants, uh, rock ballad, blowing up spaceships, and then the space cowboy theme and aesthetic. And it just, it just let me down and all of that. It, it promised too much. It was all face and no trousers. I don't think it was that bad a game. I think that. It set itself up as being a more structured game than what it really was, and it was, and it comes off as more of a sandbox game where it's all the bad parts of Freelancer, where you have to go and grind out to be able to get over the wall uh, to unlock the next story mission over and over and over yeah. again, where uh, just getting through the first solar system, because it's... Uh, Actually, only, I would say, about 20 different solar systems. Uh, Yeah, pretty small, actually, for, you know, this style of game. But each one is procedurally generated, which uh, we didn't even realize until... Well, I didn't realize until about halfway through the game club. And you didn't realize it. I didn't realize at all. But it does make sense now because, you know, there's no real clear lanes. So you were constantly getting knocked out of warp. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a sandbox. It's not a bad game, but I was looking for something more story oriented, or even yeah, more story pushing. In Rebel Galaxy, yeah, it was just 
Okay, well, go do random things for quite a while. Never mind the fact that your aunt's probably being tortured right now. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, you need to go, uh, yo, yeah, get another ship. That, that one's kind of shit. No, 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 no. The, the one that you just upgraded to, that's still not good enough. Uh, upgrade again. Okay, now get some uh, better stuff. Yeah, see, I'm perfectly okay with that loop. I'm fine with that. Doesn't bother me. Do it all the time. I'm going to talk about another game later on. It's basically that loop, but ramped up to 11. But, I mean, Rebel Galaxy just promises so much right off the bat, and then it never delivers. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't like being disappointed. And I'm very disappointed in you, Rebel Galaxy. And therefore, you garnered my least favorite game club game of the year. Yeah, mine, well, if we get mail, uh, we may get some hate mail for, well, I may get some hate mail for this one because this was the art house game that we did that I really didn't like. Shadow yeah, of the Colossus. You send me mail too. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it either. Send me mail too. Shadow of the Colossus, it's one of those games that everyone talks so highly about as, uh, it's one of those games that, always seems to make the best uh, you know games of all time or the game why games should be considered art i just don't get it it's jank it doesn't really uh, feel all that good uh, it's it's I, I would call it a puzzle platformer more than anything really supposedly there's a story there but you have to really dig for it it's uh, uh, boy, I'm going to use this phrase. It's the uh, the same model, uh, essentially, that Dark Souls use, where, yes, there is a story if you dig into the lore of what the world building is. But beyond that, if you don't do that, it's just, you know, a series of boss fights. And I will say that I am impressed with just the scale of it, just how well they emphasize the scale of things, especially in the uh, PlayStation 2 era, towards the end of the PlayStation 2 era. But that's really the only positive thing I have to say about this game. Yeah. I will agree with you on the jank mechanics and things like that. It doesn't play well. Um, it Considering the time period that it's from, it is a very good looking game. Yeah. Um, and it did have some very grand scope and scale to it. And there's some, some interesting story in there when I looked it up on the Wikipedia page to, because I didn't make it through the game because it played so poorly, but yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't play it new. I've, you know, I assume that it was just as jank new as it was now, but maybe it would have been more forgiving at the time just because, you know, technology and things advance as we go and, in general, game design gets better, but, yeah, it doesn't hold up in 2017. It was not good. Well, they're re-releasing it, and they're completely changing the color palette. Have you seen that? No, I have not. I knew they were re-releasing it, but I didn't... I haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, they're taking away all the saturation and they're making it l nice and bright. Okay. And I'm not sure how I feel about that because it it has that sort of uh, you know, washed out uh, dreamlike uh, look and that's uh, what I liked most about it was the look. 
because you are right; it is very graphically、uh, stunning for the time. But yeah, it's just uh, uh, it seems like even they don't get it. <laughs> yeah, which it's、uh, really a shame because I wanted to understand why people love this game so much, and I just really I don't get it. Are we old? Yep. <laughs> Maybe I'm old.、Uh, no, we already did that award. Right. <laughs> Maybe we're taking a break. Indeed. And as this is the final break, this is going to be the final word from our sponsor, me. Yeah, I hope you gave yourself a you know, a pretty decent、uh, you know, advertising rate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Did, did we get a lot of money out of this deal? Oh, we got so much money out of this deal, you wouldn't believe it. Hello, everyone. This is going to be the last time that you hear a sponsored segment from yours truly. I just want to say that I hope everyone had a good 2017, at least as good as possible. I know that for our listeners in the United States, that there have been many things that have contributed to the dumpster fire of 2017, but. I know that personally, in my own life, I had a pretty decent year, and I hope that you guys did too. I hope you have a a good 2018 going forward as well. And here's to hoping that things on the grander stage of life start turning around and progressing towards the better. But regardless, I wish you all the best, and I think of you in my heart every day. Alrighty, and we are back to the VGL Awards Show 2017, and our first award of the last block is the Gilded Bird Award for the biggest dick move of the yeah, year. Yeah, the one that you just this was your yeah,、category. the one that you just want to flip the person off, and this is a more targeted award.、Uh, the Baldur Dash Award is more conceptual, you know, vague ideas. This is a you, the rule is you have to be able to flip them off. And for me, well, I guess you would、uh, be able to flip off the head of the WB for all the shit surrounding Shadow of War. I mean, this was kind of the harbinger of、uh, the fall AAA lineup. But how do you fuck up giving to charity? I mean, really? Yep. But they somehow found it,、uh, found a way because that <laughs> they had that. They had all the loot boxes, and it's just. It's kind of gotten lost in all the mess that Battlefront Two became after that, but yo WB definitely has their own spot in this. So fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the whole charity thing is really what puts them over the edge for me. The fact that they wanted to sell. A memorial DLC、It、just reeks of bad taste. If they wanted to do that, granted, I still think they should have done. You know, give a couple bucks for every sale up to a certain point, and you know that would that would have been perfectly fine. Nobody would have、uh, said a bad thing about them. But selling it is one thing; limiting it to the United States is another. Then limiting it to certain. States and not even saying it outside of microscopic text on the trailer. Ah,、oh. fuck you, WB. 
Yeah. Fuck you, WB. <clears throat> so mine is Battlefront 2. Fuck you, EA. <laughs> you took a game series that was great. Franchise. And made it... Took a game franchise that was great and made it shitty by taking a $60 premium game and b- making it a free-to-play style game with the entire uh, progression of the game being based around loot boxes and buying power from those loot boxes. And you fucked it up so bad that everyone now is asking the government to get involved to fix it. That's how bad you fucked up. You have changed the landscape of gaming for forever because of this. Something is going to give one way or another... And now that the government's involved, it's going to be pretty difficult to get them uninvolved and have you guys fix this shit on your own. And honestly, I don't believe that you're capable of fixing it on your own at this point because game companies have just become too greedy. It's a shame that there's not some sort of uh, regulatory body, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, electronic. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of uh, an acronym for this. Mm. Yeah, some sort of rating board. Uh, that exists. Hmm. Just can't think of it though. Oh well. <laughs> well, I'm sure it basically you know, kept uh, the government out of the uh, uh, of regulating video games in the '90s for violence. But yeah. So fuck you guys for fucking it up for everyone. But I mean, ultimately, if you if you can't do it, the government will. So. Oh yep. Yeah, you done fucked up. You done fucked up, EA, with your Battlefront 2 greediness. So, flipping you off right now. I'm flipping off my computer screen. Hey, put that thing away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next up is the I'll Be Back <laughs> Award. This is a game that you plan on returning to for really any reason. It could have been, you know, an early access game that, uh, you know, it has promise, but you want to uh, play it once more complete. Something that you don't really have time to get into right now, or you know, something that just you want to be able to enjoy later on. Yep, and I put Grand Theft Auto Five on. A little this surprising, list. considering uh, your you know, rant earlier. Yep, I really, I really do want to finish the game. I've enjoyed the story mode. Um, I enjoy the, you know, the single player. I think that they did a lot of good things with the heists and stuff. I just got such a bad taste in my mouth trying to play the multiplayer so that I could, you know, play with my friends. But I want to go back to it and finish the story. I don't want to leave it unfinished. Um, because there's just a lot of good stuff in there. And, you know, I'm still, every time I go to pull it up, I'm like, ah, but GTA Online sucks. So, enough time is going to have to pass for me to sort of get past that. So, I want to I want to come back to it and finish it uh sometime in 2018. But I did I mean, I considered quite a few games for this list, but uh, you know, most of the games that I play anyways don't really have definite ends. It just kind of stops whenever you're ready to stop. So, and and I just I just want to finish video games. You know, I went through. I've I've been through a phase in the last couple of years where I didn't really finish video games that I started, and I want to finish games that I started that I enjoyed. So, 
I want to come back to GTA 5 and finish the storyline once the sort of bad taste of GTA Online is gone from my, you know, out of my mouth. So, sometime early to mid-2018, I'll probably finish it up. All right, well, mine is a game that I played a fair amount and then just sat down because I hit a dry spot in the content. And it's going to have an update uh, in the coming (laughs) year, so it'll be a good time to pick it back up. Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley is a farming sim, uh, just like, well, Harvest Moon and inspired by the older Harvest Moons. And I put it down whenever I hit the first winner. And the first winner, I would say, is the driest portion of the game uh, uh, content-wise because you don't really have a lot that you've uh, built up yet. And uh, the Har- uh, the Harvest Moon-style game, the Stardew Valleys, uh, they are all built around this cycle of, of building up and uh, having these reward cycles. And because there's not a lot to do during the winter, at least your first winter, outside of going to go fishing, which you do know me, I do love my fishing, or really go play around in the mines, and I could hear Jared's erection. Wink. And it's winking at me. The, you know, I didn't want to fish for, uh, I think the uh, month is uh, 15 days. If memory serves me right, I can't remember right off the top of my head. But, yeah, you know, I just didn't want to sit down and do uh, do it for that long. And, yeah, you know, I, I set it down and then I went on to something else and then went on to something else. But every time I see more info about the uh, upcoming patch that also adds multiplayer, by the way, it makes me think, you know, I really should pl- uh, finish Stardew Valley. Because it does have technically an end, but it's also endless. So it's one of those that the story does come to an end, but it, you're able to continue playing afterwards. And it's uh, been on my radar for a while. I need to go back and finish it at some point, so I will be back. I'll be back. Thank you, Arnold. <laughs> so, moving along to some uh, to a very appropriate category now, the Uncanny Valley Award after that impersonation. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, we were in agreement on this one, and this one's kind of the clear choice, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so uh, we both picked Mass Effect Andromeda, although I'm interested as to what your reason is uh, for For it. me, it's just... All the broken animations on uh, launch. There's nothing I saw that even came close to just you know, how uncanny it was. And it just... I, I had trouble thinking of anything that came remotely close, so I gave it to it. Okay, so I gave the Uncanny Valley Award to Mass Effect more in the actual lineup of what the Uncanny Valley is. Which, if you're unfamiliar, the Uncanny Valley is sort of this area where that um, animation or uh, graphical fidelity is pretty much spot on. Like, it's almost real, but it's just close enough to not that your brain feels like something is wrong with it. And so it's got just this weird, it's just uncanny. Now. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and so, that's why the animations were so uh, game breaking to me. It was that, you know, just seeing how the uh, characters moved, it just yeah. right. So me having played it after they fixed all of that stuff, the graphical fidelity and the animations and everything once 
once they got them working property, property properly, were really, really good. Incredibly realistic, lifelike. The conversations whenever you're uh, talking to people and it sort of zooms in on your conversation, you can see their faces really closely. The animations are spot on. Feel very lifelike. But it's just a little off because they didn't get the eyes quite right. And so when you get in those conversations and you're talking to different characters, like you look at their eyes and you're like, you're dead inside, aren't you? Your eyes are just wrong. And they're not like crazy, weird, derpy, googly eyes anymore because they fixed that. But it's just, just a little like, they don't quite have that depth to them whenever you look into a real person's eyes. So, it gives you that kind of weird, this isn't real, but it's really close to feeling real feeling. Um, It's much less noticeable with aliens because they have the same quality of animation and stuff applied to them, but because they're not human, your brain's going, oh, this isn't an alien anyways, so fuck it, I don't care what their (laughs) eyes look like. So, but yeah, yeah, Mass Effect did a really good job, but just, just a little off. So, but yeah, I was curious as to what you were going to say because I knew you hadn't played it. So yeah. I didn't know if you were going to be using this for a joke. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't or... using it as a joke. Yeah, you know, it's seriously the animations because yeah. that's such a big part of the Uncanny Valley is how these more photorealistic characters move, and just seeing some of the uh, early and well, early. I, even saying early animation makes it sound like oh, we're seeing pre-release stuff. No, this was post-released. But yeah, it just was so off that it just ugh. right. I got you. So I was in the definition of the uncanny valley. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, you were. Okay, well, let's move on to our next award okay. category, which is the. Uh, Sorry, uh, is this one mine or? Uh, well, you went two okay. in a row, so right. I'll do this one. Uh, and it is the best game club game of 2017. Rage already explained what the game club was earlier in the show, so you can just go ahead and say what yours was and why. Yeah, I was torn between actually mine and yours because yours was also up there, but I didn't want to be in agreement. Uh, mine is the visual novel that we did for February, if I recall correctly. If my heart had wings, it's it, it's one of those uh, stories that. Uh, you really, I don't want to spoil it too much, even though, yeah, we did go in depth on at least one of the storylines because of the game club, but it's also been nearly a year now. But, uh, just the struggles of the uh, girl I, we both ended up chasing, uh, kind of, uh, hit home for me, you know, uh, her, uh, seeing her friends drop off because, uh, she was in a wheelchair, uh, had a similar thing happen to me and it just, uh, yeah, it held for me, and it stuck with me. And it's also been a game I've been, been intending to go back and do the other storylines. Uh, uh, only down part of it is that some of the animations where they do some 3D graphics in a visual novel engine are jank, but it's not that important. And they did censor it in the uh, North American release, but there is a roundabout way to get around that. But Overall, I've really enjoyed uh, If My Heart Had Wings. 
Indeed. If if my heart had wings was a good one. It was not in my consideration for top of the year, but honestly, I felt like we played a lot of really good games for Game Club this yeah. year. So. Uh, yeah, it, it was between this one, yours, and uh, actually Portal 2, but Portal 2 uh, lost points because I already played it, so yeah, it didn't have the impact for me. Yeah. Um, so mine was Life is Strange. This game hit me so hard. Um, we've played a couple of Game Club games with really deep, hard-hitting stories that have made me cry or emote, but God, Life is Strange, every single episode of that had a moment, at least one moment, some of it had more than one moment, where I was in tears or just feeling anxiety and pain in in my heart because they don't pull any punches with the the hard-hitting moments of this game and not only that but they do them really really well so that it it feels very serious even though it's a game yeah they were very Um, realistic with uh how the characters talked yeah yeah it it didn't feel like fellow kids to me granted there's been people i've seen that uh talked about you know uh, the dialogue is so cringy well it's teenagers yeah, some of the dialogue is a little weird, but I mean, I have uh, some I, I, absolute, that I, know I absolutely loved Max. That speak that way. <laughs> yeah, I did love uh, Max. Uh, 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 her doing uh, Gollum. <laughs> the Gollum impersonation uh, just had me cracking up. Yeah, but I mean, the key or the core mechanic to the game, too, was is really interesting and inventive for this style, this telltale style of game. Because, you know, the core mechanic is that Max can rewind time. So you can make multiple decisions and see how things play out, and pick whichever result that you want. And then they turn that on its head later on in the story. Um, but the the only part of it where that it kind of falls flat is the the ending. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, uh, I would say most of uh, the fifth episode in general. Uh, do you think this would have been a better game if they had it be a four-episode series? No, I really I liked the fifth episode. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, well, like I think it because the, it's weird. I, well, I think and, the nightmare sequence in general, it feels very out of place, and it feels uh, like padding, trying to pad out what would have been a shorter episode. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, but I did like it. I I felt like that it went well enough. But yeah, this game just man. So heavy. It, that's the longest game club we've ever had. We spent what four hours? Yeah, talking something about like Life that. Because we broke down every single episode. <laughs> yep, it was so good, so good. Easily the top of the list. I didn't even have to give it a second thought. And there were quite a few good games that we played this year. Like I said, Brothers was an was an yeah, excellent. Yeah, game. it also lost it impact for that- me because that was my second time through. Oh, well, let's go down the list. I mean, we had fast, uh, FTL Faster Than Light, uh, If My Heart Had Wings, Valkyria Chronicles, Life is Strange, Shadow of the Colossus, Brothers of Tale of Two Sons, Portal 1 and 2, Transistor, Crossout, Alan Strange, Rebel Galaxy, and the current one is Carbal Space Program. Yeah. So, some real hard hitters, actually. Yeah. But, man, Life is Strange just walked off with it. So good. Yeah, I'm... I kind of want to go back and play it again and just see if I can get anything new out of it on another playthrough. But that's a pretty big commitment because it took me something like 14 hours to play through all five episodes. Well, you also sound, it sounds like you uh, said and did everything. 
because yeah. there's a lot of small stories that was in that game that uh, you could easily miss if you didn't you know, poke around everything. I did miss a few small things, but I tried to find everything. Mm-hmm. Every time you'd go into the dorm room, I'd go into everyone's room, if possible, and see if there was anything new in there. But, yeah, easily my my game club game of the year. Yeah, so uh, are you going to play uh, Before the Storm? I don't know. I, I'm not, um, I have to admit, I'm not interested in it because I... It's Chloe before she grew as a character. And all the promo material just turned me off from the game, sadly. Yeah. I'm interested in playing it, but I don't know if I'm interested enough to really buy it. Like, I want to know what happens, just because I'm really invested in that story. But ultimately, I'd rather know what happens to Chloe and Max after yeah because i picked the ending where that they got together yeah, see, and i had the opposite ending which was far more fleshed out because i did do both endings to well, look at both endings to see you know what they were and the you know max saves chloe was just you know pretty much drive off into the sunset and that was it uh max saves arcadia bay uh, yeah, was a very long sequence and felt like the ending that they intended, and then they realized, oh crap, people may want to have a choice in this, and didn't really flesh out the second ending. <coughs> yeah, and that may be true, quite possibly could be true, but I genuinely fell in love with the relationship between Max and Chloe, and I just couldn't bear to undo it even though it would be for the greater good even though i think morally it was the right decision to make the what the ending that you chose but i just well, I, well, I always looked i just at couldn't it, do it just uh yeah the, the uh, a very cold greater good you know this uh this morally is the right thing it, if i recall correctly that's what chloe wanted yeah uh, so saving chloe was uh, the selfish choice uh strangely enough yeah, but that's just how connected I got to it. It was, you know, I chose the the needs of the one as opposed to the needs of the many. Yeah, you were definitely not Spock in this one. I was not. My emotions ruled my decision that day. But uh, yeah, yeah. Plus, uh, Max had to go save her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Did you kiss him? Yes. I totally kissed him. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but then you uh, let him die to you know, uh, have your girlfriend. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, Chloe, she's my girl. Gotta be my girl. Yeah, we're ending up... Uh, this is the longest I think we talked on one of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fitting. Um, but we can we can move along if you're ready. Okay, so, moving along to our favorite game played in 2017. Yeah, this was a... Oh, and this uh, category is what we've played in 2017. Does it have to be released in 2017? Yeah, I had a a really tough time picking this one. I went back and forth between quite a few games because, I mean, I really, really enjoyed Mass Effect. 
I've really enjoyed playing, continuing to play games like Factorio and Transport Fever. I enjoyed, I've thoroughly enjoyed playing Divinity with you, despite the problems that we've had with that game and being able to here lately find time to record it. And I mean, you know, the list goes on. I could sit here and rattle off another 10 or 12 games that I really enjoyed playing this year, like Cuphead or Spin Tires, the Spin Tires Mud Runner, the, the new one, or, you know, on and on and on. There's been plenty of games that I've spent a lot of time with this year. But here recently, the last few weeks, the game that has been dominating my playtime is Elite Dangerous. And the changes that they have made since I played that game two years ago, all of the additions that they've that they've made um, all of the things that they're doing to continue to build the lore of that game. Just the mood that I'm in here lately for wanting to play space games and, and things like that sort of around the time I started playing freelancer again and wanting to find this, you know, perfect space game elite dangerous just popped back up and God, is it good? It is so good and so fun to and play. And also getting recently... uh, disappointed in rebel galaxy. Yeah. But here lately, they've been running an event um, or a, a world event. Uh, the Thargoids, which are the aliens from the Elite series, uh, have started openly attacking human space stations. And I was just playing, and there was a news alert from the in-game news service called Galnet News that was like, uh, you know, an emergency headline. Uh, Thargoids have attacked you know, this space station and this space station, um, calling on any commanders available in the area to come help with evacuations. So I refitted one of my ships as a, um, a passenger carrying vessel and headed over to the space station. And it was utter chaos. Like the station was spinning, starting to spin out of control and it was breaking apart and you go inside and there was debris everywhere and half of the landing pads weren't working. And like the whole thing was on fire. Your ship was taking heat damage if you weren't using uh, heat sinks to keep that under control. And there was like panic radio chatter and people like other commanders everywhere helping. And like people were forming a line like we got to save these people. And it's just they've done such a good job building this living, breathing world. And they treat all of this so seriously. And the other players get into it. And this is just one of many things that I've discovered since I've come back that they've been adding and changing and just making the world bigger, giving you more things to do besides just earning money for your next ship upgrade or whatever. It really does feel like a big breathing galaxy um, as different factions interact. And they've added many new systems since I've come back that are add depth and complexity to the game. It's probably um, the closest I've played to a game scratching the space itch as EVE Online, but because it's not designed as a you know a grindy MMO to keep you going, I'm I'm getting a lot of the same satisfaction from playing the game, but it doesn't dominate my life. I don't feel like I constantly have to be playing. I've been playing it a lot here lately because I enjoy it. But I'm not waking up going, oh, God, I've got to get on because I have to be the first one to get out in the field today to make sure that I can fill up all of my stuff and take it back to the base to uh, process my resources or whatever. I just log on, 
And I'm like, all right, let's check the news, see if there's any events going on. If there are, and they seem interesting, I'll go do it. And if not, then I'll work on some missions, or go mine, or do some trading. Sounds like me with Warframe. Yeah. It's just a very good combination of of chill-out, relaxing game. Um, but also, you know, it's something that I'm invested in. So, I mean, Elite, Elite Dangerous is by far my favorite game played in 2017. And in the last couple of weeks, technically Steam says I've probably played for like 60 hours or so. But it's got a launcher, and I've left the launcher up a couple of times. I've probably played it 30 hours in the last two or three weeks, which is a uh, lot. Let's be honest, that's just sure. an excuse that you're using. <laughs> I don't know, maybe 40 hours total. It says I've played 72 hours in the last two weeks. So 40 to 50 hours would be actual playtime. With the rest of that being, I've left the launcher open a couple of times overnight. Sure you did. Sure you did. So, yeah. I mean, it was it was as shitty as 2017 was in the gaming industry. I played a lot of really good games this year. Yeah, but the thing is that a lot of your games weren't released in 2017. That's true. That's true. But I'm trying in my head to take away some of the pain of 2017. And it's working for me. <clears throat> what about you? Well, what is your favorite game? Mine is one that you mentioned, Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition. Now, this game has pissed me off more than once, just from bugs and how uh, they set up the story, where there was a fourth stealth section just just was absolutely infuriating. That said, between the combat and the co-op, it's been my favorite gaming experience uh, and the, my favorite gaming that I've been uh, that I've done in 2017. Yay! You like to play games with me for now. <laughs> for now, like, whenever you get on your crafting uh, stint, and yeah, we're in town for a few hours. It does get a little old. But uh, but we are at uh, pretty much the end of the game, I think. <laughs> uh, that, that's the thing is that uh, the well, the game is broken up. I, I would say f- uh, three major maps. Uh, that would be fair, right? Uh, uh, three, four maps. Do you count? Well, the- well I wasn't counting like uh, little dungeons and that sort of thing. I was talking about uh, yeah, no, no. major overworld maps. Yeah, but I was thinking of the homestead. Were you uh, counting no. that as well? Okay, so then, yeah, so far there's three. Yeah, and uh, the first one was actually very well done. Very, I would say, uh, it made a lot of sense because it was clear a uh, direction that you should head uh, to. Uh, there was a, a level gradient that uh, sort of was a trail of breadcrumbs for the content and as you uh, followed the trail of breadcrumbs, it unlocked more and more in the map, and you uh, saw more and more of uh, the game world, at least in that area. But it always kind of looped back around to the main town, so you could uh, you know, do your sailing and that sort of thing. Then the second map was a little bit more cumbersome, to the point where uh, we weren't able to find the exit for quite a while <laughs> to move to the third map. 
Yeah. And the third map, uh, it seems to be very small, doesn't it? Yeah, the third map is, is much smaller than the other two. And it doesn't seem as well done. Granted, the, uh, the town that we uh, stopped in has some interesting uh, stuff in it, but overall, it's it's a game that's been very front-loaded with its good content, but that's also the case of it being in early access, and the first act, that first map, was what was out there for a long time, so it had the most time to be polished. So I do understand why it's like that, but... Uh, the co-op element of uh, you know, <laughs> sitting around bullshitting and some of the random shit that we've done <laughs> uh, made up for uh, most of the flaws. Yeah. I agree. And yeah, like I said, Divinity was one of the games I thought about for this year. Also because of the combat system and you. No. Hugs, buddy. I'm going to hug my microphone. I'm not falling for that one. Yes. Hugging my microphone. I need an adult help. (laughs) And that brings us to our last award. Uh, 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 Jared, are you done? Yeah. Yeah, Well, you're done that quickly. I'm good. Poor Katie. I'm fat. I can be fast. I can be fast. Poor Katie. Uh, our, Our final award for the night is the Video Game Logic Podcast Game of the Year Award for 2017. This one was difficult for well, us. Well, this, uh, because, because of the rules we implied. Yeah, it had to be a game that came out in 2017, and at least one of us had to play it, had had to have played it. Um, we originally thought, well, both of us have to play it, but then we realized that that was a really short list, yeah. and so we came up with a few choices, and I know I can see both of our 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 nominees yeah. here and they agree but do you want to discuss the other our other well, choices well honestly we, we only had one that was even a good uh, a good choice because the third one uh, it didn't release this year and it's still technically a beta and just because it had a major patch uh, would have been you know it would have been uh, propping uh, upping up again and again and again we just it never uh I don't think it was a real contender, to be perfectly honest. So our only uh, our only other real contender would have been uh, Spin Tires Mud Runner, and that's mostly due to how they changed the, the mechanics. Graphically, it looks very similar. Yeah, aside from a few just little tweaks, they didn't really improve the graphics, so to say. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, having tw- uh, trees uh, sway as uh, and actually uh, fall over as you pull them uh, or pull on them with the winch to you know try to unstick yourself in the mud is new. But uh, outside of controller problems showing up on the screen, if you had two uh, screenshots side by side, it would be damn tough for you to pick out which one is which. You got new versus old. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, we did consider it because we both played it. We both really enjoyed it. And it was... We felt like they had done enough different with this release to definitely say it was its own separate experience. Yeah, the mechanics under the hood was vastly different. To the point where it really caught you off guard when you tried it for the first time. And that was after hearing me talk about it. Yeah. 
But it was, I was caught off guard in a good way. Like, there was nothing, I don't think there's anything bad about the, about Mudrunner. Um, I would say probably the worst thing is the uh, cockpit, how it's kind of tacked on. The cockpit view. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think perhaps a better way to try and say what I was saying was that they, everything that they changed was an improvement. Everything is better about Mudrunner than the original. And yeah, the cockpit view is a little bit tacked on, but it still definitely has its usefulness, yeah. even in its current form. Yeah, so. it definitely won't end up in the no school like the old school award. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, okay, then we only had one other serious contender, and we were going to go away and think about it and come back, but it turns out both of us put the same game on the list, so I guess yeah, yeah, I had really a, have to have any deliberation. Yeah, I had to think about it, and just, it was tough to really consider anything else. I looked at other awards, trying to, like, am I overlooking something? And no, uh, it's it's been kind of a crap year, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there There hasn't been anything that I felt warranted game of the year. Outside of Cuphead. Indeed, the Video Game Logic Podcast Game of the Year Award for 2017 goes to Cuphead. Which honestly was a Cuphead was a surprise hit for me. Because I typically hate this the type of game that Cuphead is. I don't like platformers. I don't like things that are you know skill-based, like get good type games. Uh, I don't like Thing, you know, I, I like to just have fun and relax when I play video games nowadays. But Cuphead is so freaking good at what it does, and it's got that amazing hand-drawn art style and the wonderful jazz. It's not all jazz, but mostly jazz, you know, 1930s sounding soundtrack. It's amazing. It's one of the best games that I played this year overall, and it certainly fits the criteria for the list because, you know, obviously it came out in 2017. Yeah, I haven't gotten to play it yet, and I've actually been trying to avoid as much gameplay as I can because I don't want how the bosses are uh, beaten to be spoiled for me. But it's, yeah, it's kind of the obvious choice, to be perfectly honest, because I don't have a, a bar and console, so that... Yeah, it takes out all the Nintendo stuff because let's be perfectly honest. That's kind of uh, the, the gem this year, which both, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, uh, uh, makes me happy to see Nintendo do well. But at the same time, really, Nintendo's, uh, the highlight. Yeah. It, Does Cuphead on Steam have online multiplayer? Um, I- I don't think so. That's so sad. I would buy us copies of Cuphead so that we could play together. Because I haven't beaten it. Katie and I have only gotten to the second... Like, the the game is divided into, like, three islands that you go to and, you know, do fight all the bosses and stuff. And we're on the second island. And we're pretty close to having that one beat, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, we're still on the second island. So... I haven't, I haven't even beaten the game Yeah, yet. it looks like no online multiplayer. I just wanted to double check that, but I was pretty certain it wasn't. They, it does say that they're looking at uh, online multiplayer for future changes, but mm, if there hasn't been anything yet, that, that I 
doubt it would happen. Granted that, you know, it is happening with Stardew Valley, so. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure how you would do it. Um, just because, I mean, it it is, you know, bullet hell. But I suppose that if each client is just in charge of what they, it is that they're dodging, yeah. having to dodge, and then it just keeps track of the damage cumulatively, I think it could be done. Might look a little weird to see your co-op partner, like, fly through something that should have had them take damage, but, you know, you don't really have to worry about that, because you gotta worry about what you're dodging. Yeah, and it also really depends on how much lag, because if it was just, like, between the two of us, that's not too far a distance. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, granted, uh, yeah, playing with someone in Australia, that would be a lot tougher. (laughs) Yeah. Especially having to invert all the uh, bits to, for it to work cor- uh, correctly. <laughs> yes, absolutely, because that's how gaming works on the other side of the world, on the bottom of the world. Ooh. But yeah, Cuphead. Cuphead is an excellent game. Excellent, excellent game. Very clear game of the year material. And as such, it is it is receiving one of the most prestigious awards in games, the Video Game Logic Podcast Award. And it's it's prestigious because I say it is, and I won't have anyone tell me otherwise. Put I'm proverbially putting my fingers in my ears and going la 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 la. You know, you keep that up, and you may end up with a GOP uh, candidacy. <laughs> oh, that's that's a riot right there. I mean, I would accept a candidacy for, from the GOP. I just, you know, if I somehow miraculously got elected, I would be the least Republican president ever. But yeah, if I mean, if they want to nominate me, sure, by all means, I'll take a shot at politics. Be the most liberal fucking Republican ever. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I think that wraps us up. So, uh, do we want to plug our stuff real quick? Not go too in depth. Yeah, let's go ahead and just plug our stuff. Um, if you want to find me on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologists. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. If you want to see me see, stream some games on Twitch every now and then, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, my Steam username is jarthur4707. I'd love to talk to you about the award show. What do you think about our nominees? And would you have nominated anything differently from us please feel free to write in and do so at any of the mediums that i mentioned above or you can send us an email over at vglpodcast at gmail.com or or the twitter vgl podcast on the twitter and if you wish to let uh, let you know that you've listened to the awards the password for the award show is hydrobot I thought you were going to say, fuck the Oscars. <laughs> no, that would have been too obvious. Oh, fair play. Fair play. <laughs> and plus, that's like the highlight of the uh, of the video game awards. Uh, Love Rent yeah. Tommy Wasso. <laughs> oh. Well, if you were to see the, well, what content I am producing at this point, I'm still in the process of uh, getting up and going again. 
You can find me over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage, where I will have more content eventually, or just see me tweet uh, who knows what, uh, who knows when, over at uh, Gaming with CR on Twitter. And you already covered uh, the email and uh, Twitter, so I don't have to do that. If you have help to wish to pay for this absolute madness, you could do so patreon.com slash VGL podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, Jared's tux is very expensive. You know, it is just the bow tie and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please put that away. <laughs> oh, and if you wish to see the uh, RSS feed, get the show notes, or, uh, you know, uh, just be able to drop us a line possibly a little bit easier, you could find that over vglpodcast.podbean.com or if you're listening to us on IT- or on YouTube, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else we are. Our intro and outro music is whatever Jared picks out of uh, the folder by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com. And no, that's not the name of the song. That's uh, given Jared a few choices and he hasn't figured out which one he wants. So I can't say which one it is uh, exactly. As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. And congratulations to the award winners and we'll see you next year. See you next year, folks. (laughs) 